You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host. And with me today is Dr. Marge Cohn, Senior Staff Physician at Stroger Hospital in Chicago and serves as Director of Women's HIV Research. Additionally, she is the founder and former director of the Women's and Children's HIV Program at Stroger Hospital, one of the first women's AIDS clinics in the country. She is also medical director of WE Act and is associate professor of medicine at Rush Medical School. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about WE Act? What does it stand for, and how did it come to be? It stands for Women's Equity and Access to Care and Treatment, and it's an international group of physicians, journalists, activists who feel, feel that it's really important to encourage women and young girls to have access to treatment and prevention for HIV. As you know, AIDS is a um, major uh, health issue for people in developing countries, and in most developing countries, about 50% of the people with HIV are young are girls or women. So we act really saw as its mission to ensure that young girls and women had access to prevention and medication. You have a real presence in Rwanda. How did that come to be? What happened was the um, women leaders of various associations in Rwanda in 2003 began to notice that the women in their associations who had been raped during the genocide and purposefully infected with HIV by Hutu militia at that point were getting sick and were dying of AIDS. And it turned out that the men who had raped them, who were now in prison, they had access to medications for their own HIV infection. But the women in these associations were sick and dying and didn't have medications. So the women put out a sort of international call and they asked for people to help fast-track medications to the women in their groups. And it was obviously such a horrendous contradiction to think of these women not getting medicines that a group from WE Act went in, a, in April 2004 and spoke with the leaders and had focus groups with women in these associations and were able to work with government groups as well as other associations to begin a healthcare program to meet the needs of women with HIV in Rwanda. This was in 1994 that we're talking about. The genocide was in 1994. Do you have any idea of how many rapes took place during those 100 days and after? It's estimated that about a quarter of a million women were raped in sort of a synchronized HIV campaign. This is at the time that a million, 800,000 to a million people were murdered, including 300,000 children. So it was a horrendous, horrendous uh, time, and I think least well-known is the concept of women being purposely raped with HIV. As you might know, rape became considered a crime against humanity because of what happened in Rwanda in 1994, but HIV as a weapon of war, probably still being used now in terms of the Congo or Darfur, is less well-known, I think, to, to, to your listeners as an important issue to address. You mean this atrocity continues? It's almost a legacy of the initial rape. Exactly. The, the um, Hutu militia basically said they wanted to purposefully infect women with HIV so that the genocide would be transmitted to the next generation. And HIV obviously does that. And so it's sort of a matter of, of reparations and human rights to have us provide, I think, appropriate counseling and testing and treatment 
for the women in these associations right now. And did it transmit it to the next generation? Yes, there's um, about the seroprevalence in Rwanda right now of HIV is about 5%. And there are of a, it's a small country. There's 8 to 9 million people in Rwanda. And there are about 30,000, 27 to 30,000 children with HIV infection. And we see in our clinic children who were born um, at that time of 94, 95, and later, and are infected with HIV. The, the good news is that upon getting treatment and therapy, the kids are doing very well. And it's just that we've brought treatment too late to some of these countries. Tell me something about the clinics that you do have in Rwanda. So we have three clinics right now, and um, one clinic is a freestanding clinic where we also have a research study, and um, women and some men are brought by their associations to the clinic, and right now, Rwandan doctors and nurses provide the health care. We have trauma nurses, we have a pharmacy, and it's a, it's a well-functioning system. The second clinic is in a community-based association in Rwanda called Achuzuzu, which existed f- even before the genocide, as a psychosocial service network for people in a particular area in the capital of Kigali. And um, at each of those two clinics, there's about 2,000 people that we're seeing with HIV infection. Um, And we've provided in total about 1,500 of them with antiretroviral therapy. Uh, So we've been able to treat as for those for whom it's indicated to start medications uh, the others we're following to see what their T-cells are and to see how they're doing. And then we have a third clinic, which is in a more rural area of Kigali, sort of on the outskirts. And that clinic is a part of the public health system. So that clinic uh, services an area of about sixteen to 18,000 people. And we help provide all primary care, HIV care, maternal care uh, for the people who attend that clinic. So it's three different models. In in your clinics, what do you provide other than care? Do you do, say, job training? We have a small income generation project. What the women told us was as they got stronger and they felt better, they really needed money to help feed their children and to help have their children have the resources, the money to pay for school uniforms and school and books so that their kids could go to school and sort of get out of this cycle of poverty. So they wanted some way to make money once they felt stronger. And with the purchase of about six or eight sewing machines, we've developed an income generation project where the women make these dolls um, that are really very beautiful. And we bring the dolls back to the States and have donations, ask for donations for them. And people have been pretty generous about that. Another thing we've done in terms of providing this economic empowerment, which is really so critical to people who have this devastating disease once they respond, is hook them, hook the associations up with things like the Heifer Project or international groups that do help people do better in terms of economic issues. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and today our guest is Dr. Marge Cohn. And we're discussing today uh, her work in HIV clinics in Rwanda. Do you provide anything in the way of legal aid, legal advice to to these women? We have found that there's a lot of issues related to how HIV has affected them, what happens if their husband dies, issues of children. It's very important, and housing issues, and it's very important to have some legal support. So we've set up a legal system where we've trained several members of these associations to be part of a legal team along with some recent law school graduates. And it's been very, very important for the women to have an outlet to express their concerns when they feel that institutions or 
family members or government issues are not going the way they might best go. And I think that, you know, what I've learned in Rwanda is that things are very connected. And having HIV infection isn't all that you can help someone with, that once they feel stronger after getting treated, it's the rest of their lives that really determine their general health. So allowing them to have legal resources, and most importantly so far in Rwanda is um, emotional resources, uh, ways to treat post-traumatic stress, ways to have some therapy related to their family issues and the losses they've experienced. That and food are almost essential, as essential as the pills that we give people for HIV. Do these people have to deal with the stigma of being HIV or AIDS? Most families have not told anybody else that they have HIV infection. Rwanda has a very good policy where you have to bring someone with you when you're first diagnosed or first starting on therapy who is who learns with you about the medications and about the regimen. There's a three-day sort of in the afternoon um, engagement of new patients starting on medicines, and they have to bring a buddy with them, an advocate. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. But I found that except for that person who comes at that time to learn about the therapy, most people don't tell anybody else that they're infected. It's an enormous amount of stigma for fear that they will be thrown out of their families, that their children will be ostracized, that they will not get um, help that they expected in the community. And it's, 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 it's frightening because even with the prevalence of 5% and in other countries in Africa where the prevalence is even higher, much higher than anything we ever experienced in our country, the stigma is so much greater. So even though you have many, many more people who absolutely know someone in their family or in their community or in their neighborhood who's infected with HIV, there's still a reluctance to talk about it and um, acknowledge it and feel comfortable disclosing that they're infected. Is this a problem with prevention of further spread of HIV? I think so, but the ways to deal with that anyway is to encourage use of condoms, which is encouraged in Rwanda. It's not a difficulty but also to have people understand that they can be tested on a regular basis or have access to being tested and learn as much as they can. But absolutely, stigma keeps things quiet, and people, more people will get infected in a time when there isn't enough disclosure. That's absolutely true. What is it like, the logistics of running a clinic so far from the United States? Well, we are very fortunate to have... Uh, physicians and nurses, as well as administrators who are all Rwandan, who are able to run the clinic very well. Rwanda has a national protocol about how to treat people. There are medical records that are sort of uniform and uh, a protocol for, for treatment. And um, what we're able to provide is sort of a system that doesn't ask patients to get to pay for any of their care. Um, we facilitate the medications. We um, ensure very, very especially, I think, which isn't, which isn't true in a lot of other clinics, a sort of counseling service through trauma, trauma nurses to make sure that issues of depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress are not hindrance to people being adherent to their medications. And it's impossible to actually run something from afar. We rely on a regular basis and have email communication regularly with our staff there. I go to Rwanda about three or four times a year and stay about three to four weeks. Another physician from New York named Dr. Kathy Anastos is a uh, major player in WEACT, and she goes 
four or five times a year as well. So there's often someone from our group in Kigali uh, working with the Rwandans to sort of appreciate what the next step will be. Because what you learn um, taking care uh, in this kind of situation is that as people get better or as we have more people or as we learn what the next issue is, either for adolescents or children, you have to revise your system, sort of tailor it and tweak it to what the issues are. And that, I think, takes both experience that we can bring from the states as well as the realities of what's going on in Rwanda. And Dr. Cohn, if anybody would like to know more information about WEACT, how can they obtain that? They could go to our website, which is www.weact.org, or actually they could email me, Marge Cohen, at AOL.com. I often heard a quotation by a philosopher named Heschel who said people will be judged by how they deal with the aged. Nelson Mandela said people will be judged by how they deal with the AIDS epidemic. I want to thank Dr. Marge Cohen, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing WEACT. I am Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.